Do you have questions about navigating the legal system? Are you planning solutions to protect your investments and your family? Are you in a crisis looking for estate planning, financial, or healthcare advice? You've found the right show with your hosts, Spano and DeWiki. Welcome back to another edition of The Legal View. We are your hosts from Spano and DeWiki. This is attorney Christine Hurley. Attorney Andrea Witt. This is attorney Francine DeWiki. And we are an elder law firm, and so we do a lot of things like estate planning, probate, guardianships, conservatorships. So as part of our show, we like to check things that are going on in the news and tie them to what it is that we do here. So today we're going to talk about the legal view of Aaron Hernandez. Now, I had watched the documentary back when it first came out in January, but Andrea here just watched it recently. So we're going to let her do a little recap of what went on there, and then we can kind of dissect the different parts of the law that it addresses. You know, there's criminal law. We don't do that here, so we can briefly address that. But things like probate, real estate, life insurance, and things of that nature. Take it away. <laughs> yeah. I, so, you know, it, it, it's funny because I think uh, I'm typically not much of a TV person. Um, I, I have a boyfriend at home, three kids. They're busy with baseball, hockey, theater, not to mention homework. And, and typically on, in evenings, even on weekends, we are so busy running from one place to another that entertaining television is really a part of my daily life. I wish it was. Except now with Corona and COVID, we've been home. You know, those activities are gone. And in the evenings, we have a little bit of free time, which is kind of nice. And uh, it, 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 it was Christine, actually, who said to me, you know, there's this crazy show. You have to watch Tiger King. So I said to Anthony, all right, let's let's sit down and at least give this a test. I want to be able to communicate with Christine about something. We sat down, we watched those seven episodes. And once we got through that, I actually moved on to a show with my daughter, Maggie, uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series. So we went through those, <laughs> those eight episodes or oh so. God. Um, she's currently sharing a room with two boys because we're renovating our house. So uh, she's I gotta very. Say, I gotta say thank you for not asking me to watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> she, I think she really needed some some girl time with her mother. So we sat down and watched that together. Um, and then after that was over, I had to come up with something new. And um, Aaron Hernandez is one of those things on Netflix that pops up, you know right at the beginning is one of the most watched series. So I finished watching that over the weekend and that was really quite compelling. I mean, I, I think we all kind of know the story, um, except for Francine, who well, is now a football watcher. But so we can, we can recap it a little bit. He, um, he was a, a Patriots player. Um, uh, geez, what, what dates should I even give you? Um, in, let me see, in, in June 26th of uh, 2013, he was arrested on a murder charge. Um, and obviously, immediately thereafter, was no longer uh, with the Patriots. Um, I think it was in, let's see, in April of 2015, so uh, nearly two years later, he was convicted of, of murder um, with a mandatory life sentence in prison. So he then, that particular uh, conviction, he appealed. In the meantime, you know, I, I was trying to fill Francine in on this, and it really sounds a little bit soap opera-like, the, the facts of the case, because there were other killings that even happened prior that he was then um, arraigned for and charged with when he was in prison on the first murder conviction. So he then was um, went on trial for those two killings. He was actually acquitted of that. But very shortly thereafter, I think... Um, Jeez, if I, if I look at the, the timeline, um, less than a week thereafter, he committed suicide in prison. 
So now at this point, we have thinking a little bit about his family. Aaron Hernandez was in, was in his late 20s. He had a fiance. He was not married to her. And the two of them shared a daughter who I think was about four years old at the time that he was that he was convicted. So um, obviously, the, there's plenty of salacious, interesting parts here. I think everybody knows there's also allegations um, that potentially he was gay. That was part of the of the story there. Yeah, um, I will say, I'm not sure, you know, I, I found the documentary really interesting, but that part of it, I'm not sure why, you know, I think it's just, you know, part of these documentaries and with Tiger King too, that right. it's to bring kind of the entertainment value to it almost but I almost didn't see why that mattered in the documentary I think it just kind of brought it for the viewing purposes of watching it right well you know it was also kind of interesting and we, we are not criminal attorneys we don't we are not prosecutors we are not criminal defense attorneys the last time I really handled criminal law I think was in the bar exam um, yeah. so so you know I, I I really don't want to put I don't want to focus a lot of time on that um, but I, I think if just recalling the documentary what they really didn't have it was a motive and i think that's where his sexuality came into it you know was he upset that people were going to find out or there you know there were a million reasons i think that's kind of where that played um played in but um it was also kind of interesting at the very tail end the last episode they talked a lot about cte and whether the you know the probably countless concussions he had led to kind of you know, messing up his brain. It was actually really interesting, Francine. You probably would have found that to be the most interesting part of it because they say yeah, that, right. you know, at a, I think as a 27-year-old, he had the brain of somebody with Alzheimer's, you know, oh pretty God. progressive Alzheimer's because his brain was so deteriorated. Um, but anyway, so for, for our perspective as elder law attorneys, one of the things that we handle every day uh, is probate. So what happens with a person's estate, all the assets that they own when they die? And here we have a, a kind of, very different, in, well, actually not different situation, the situation you deal with a lot is he didn't have a spouse, but he did have a child. You know, and how are his assets, then how are you gonna go through probate and how are his assets passed down? So the first question is always, you know, does he have a will? Um, and I, and I, I should really preface this whole conversation by saying I, I, I did a whole bunch of research and, and tried to find information uh, on the court website to see if I could get any of the court docket, um, any of the the pleadings, the the will, if that was online, or you know any of the probate pleadings, any of the things that were filed with the court, and I wasn't able to access any of them. Um, hmm. So you know a lot of what we're going to be talking about is is really speculation, but speculation as to you know what we would do, you know, with when presented with the situation of somebody passing away with a fiance and no child and potentially no will. So you know at least here in the state of Massachusetts, if he passed away with no will and he is engaged but not married to his fiance, there is no legal right to any of his assets whatsoever for this woman. Right, so what would happen is those assets would pass to his child. So that the child would be the one who inherits those by the laws of intestacy. So, and, and you would think that somebody who made, I would expect him to have been making a lot of money since he was a football player and I don't watch football but I would expect that he did have a, a large sum of money and why he didn't plan appropriately Francine he was a 28 year old man 
<laughs> You're right. Uh, you know what? 28 years old, you don't think anything's going to happen. But what I would have expected was that his, his wife or his significant other. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The female in the relationship would have said, hey, we need to do some planning. And who knows? Maybe she did. <laughs> I think I think slightly different. I had a client. He had a daughter. She was 17 years old. He He did plan. He left everything to her everything and he had all his documents in place and he just thought that you know i'm all set what he didn't expect was for his daughter to pass away before him at the age of 17 and she wasn't sick she was hit by a car and she died so that planning is really important for you know i see it different that planning is so important no matter what age you are because you really don't know if you are going to pass away but i do know when i was that age i didn't think anything would happen to me either you know i could jump off a cliff and land on my feet so i everybody thinks that way so yeah i i get it yeah, and I guess young football player. <laughs> <laughs> and we should point out too the age when you have the legal competence to execute documents, you know, and I'm not talking about anything beyond the age. So the age of majority is 18 in Massachusetts. As long as you're 18, you can do a will, healthcare proxy power of attorney, assuming you don't have some other mental incapacity that prevents you from drafting those documents. You know, that also brings us to where you said, Francine, where the person that uh, the daughter that he left to was 17 and here with Aaron Hernandez, where the daughter was four, you know, that brings up other issues that we deal with on a very regular basis here is that when you do have underage beneficiaries and how that works. We'll break here and then we can come back and kind of discuss a little bit more about probate and underage beneficiaries. But you are listening to The Legal View with us at Spano and DeWiki. You can call or text us if you have any questions or concerns or want, you know, anything you want us to talk about on the show. The phone number is 781-231-7800 or you can email us at help at spanoandewiki.com. Estate plans aren't just for the wealthy. A smart estate plan is more critical for families with modest means who can afford to lose the least. A properly designed plan by expert attorneys can protect your assets, protect your loved ones, and avoid costly court procedures. Life is all about change. We're here to prepare your family for whatever happens next. Want peace of mind for you and your family? This is attorney Christine Hurley with Spano and DeWiki. We are the experts. Call 781-231-7800 or visit spanodewiki.com. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is The Legal View, and we are from Spano and Dewiki. So today we have been discussing the Netflix documentary on Aaron Hernandez, um, just regarding the circumstances surrounding his incarceration and suicide and things resulting from that, including probate, life insurance policies, um, because he did leave an estate, and not only that, but we have an underage beneficiary, his daughter here. So, you know, one of the things I had read is that there was, um, and, and again, I wasn't able to find any of the documents um, online. Typically, when somebody passes away, the probate record is uh, public. So you can go online, you can walk into the courthouse typically, and get a copy of the file, and and read everything online and, and um, you know, and review all the documents. I wasn't able to find those documents for him. You know, when it comes to probate, what we're talking about is how the assets of somebody who dies are passed down. So when somebody passes away, they have uh, assets that are either in their own name, um, 
and those assets can have a listed beneficiary or no beneficiary at all. Um, so if they die with assets in their own name and there is no beneficiary, that's a probate asset. And that's what's going to pass according to their will. In the case of Aaron Hernandez, we know that he owned cars. We know that he owned real estate. Um, and we don't really know too much about the other things that he owned. But there is speculation that he may have had a trust. Another thing that we know, and I'm sorry, I feel like I keep jumping around. There's just so many issues here. He may have had some, some trust assets. We also know that he had some individually titled assets because his house, for example, was sold uh, through his estate. Were you going to the fact that he did not have a complete estate plan? Or I yep. mean, the fact that they had to go to the court and get a license to sell right. shows that he, he definitely didn't have a will because you do need a license to sell without a will. And he did not put the trust. So if he does have a trust, you know, whoever developed that trust didn't do the right thing. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were saying that how there's no will, but um, potentially a trust. If my first reaction was to be surprised by that, because why would you have a trust and not a will and other documents? But at the same time, I'm not surprised because we have lots of people that come to us to review their current planning. And they find out that, you know, they may have thought that they had certain documents and we reach out to the attorneys that may have drafted a trust and they'd say that they don't have any record of anything um, or clients come to us and think that whatever documents that they have are sufficient because they have, you know, they have the healthcare proxy and the power of attorney, but they don't have a will or they have a will and they don't have a healthcare proxy and power of attorney. And definitely is so important to have a comprehensive plan, especially here with the amount of money that this man had. I mean, realistically, that's somebody I would expect that would have everything in trust to keep all of this out of the courts. But, you know, where he didn't have a will, like you said, Francine, with this license to sell. So, you know, when you at least have, a, so when you have a will that doesn't avoid probate, it's simply instructions to the court on how you want things to go. But in that will, you can also dictate who gets to be the personal representative, who the beneficiaries are going to be. So here where he has a fiance under the law without a will, she gets nothing. But if he had a will, he could have provided for her under there. And, you know, I, an attorney who knows what they're doing is going to put language in there that you can sell real estate without having to petition the court for a license to sell. Because as we have seen in Andrea very recently with cases that, you know, partially due to COVID the last couple of months, but even outside of that, I mean, you had issues with a court dating back to yeah, October, no, yeah, October or November, just trying to, you know, and that means the real estate's sitting there you're spending money from the estate in order to maintain the real estate and potentially losing buyers in a sale because you're waiting on the court for one reason or another, you know, it may not be the court's fault. It could be, you know, issues on the buyer's end as well. But, you know, I think here there was a lot of issues coming from the court that really delayed things. So, you know, it, it, I definitely am surprised like you are Francine that he didn't have a comprehensive plan in place, especially if he had an attorney. But So maybe he thought he did because we find oftentimes when people come in, they say, oh, I have a trust. Don't worry about it. I don't need to probate. And then when you read the trust, you say, this is a great trust. Now let's look at your assets and see what, what asset, what you funded the trust with. And many people will go to attorney, get their trust done, but they won't get the trust funded and if it's not funded it's a useless document he could have done it could have happened to him maybe he did you know leave uh, make his fiance beneficiary of his trust but then 
it wasn't funded properly. Maybe that's why they're going for a license to sell because the house, he thought, oh, I have a trust. I'm fine. My house is in the trust. My assets are in the trust. Come to find out maybe they weren't. So, you know, you get a trust done. You have to make sure what your, your assets are funded by renaming them in the trust name and having the trustee be the person who runs that. And that's, we know clearly that the house was not in the trust because you don't have to get a license to sell if your house was in the trust. So that could be one of the issues. I know that you can't see the documents, but that could be one of the reasons why he, they had to get a license to sell because maybe he did think all this stuff was in the trust. I got a trust on and look at it. It's an awesome trust, but didn't put everything in it. And that can be a problem. If you don't put everything in the trust, then you are at some point going to have to probate. Yeah, you're absolutely so. right. I actually have an estate right now that we're working on and there's a trust involved in that, but they're not one asset, not the real estate, not one bank account. Nothing was put in that trust, but Thankfully, this attorney at least did do a pour over will, which is essentially, you know, you still have to go through probate. We still had to file probate, but you then ask the courts and get the court's permission to now you move the assets from the estate and they pour over into the trust and then you can administer them through the trust. So, you know, I think that happens all the time and you're absolutely right. That could have been the case here where he did set up a trust, but the attorney failed to, or, you know, if, he did something online. I don't know. We, we don't know the circumstances since we can't see the documents. He very well could have printed something out online and that's why it didn't work either. Exactly. And you know, sometimes people say, well, um, I want to do a trust and say, okay, we'll do the trust and then, you know, we'll fund it for you. And they say, no, no, I don't want you to fund it for me. And you, we write them a letter. We tell them, you know, yes, this is how you fund it. We give instructions on how to fund it. If they don't follow through with that, then that, the paying for that document was a waste. So you have to remember, if you do a trust, you're paying money to get that trust. It's worth to pay the extra money to get it funded. You just yeah. have to do that because it doesn't do what you want it to do if there's nothing in it. It's like having an empty box. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to describe it. We're coming up on another break here. So you are listening to Spano and Dewicki. We are the legal view. If you have any questions or concerns or you want anything that you want us to talk about on the show, you can call or text us at 781-231-7800 or email us at help at spanodewicki.com. contacted by someone offering cash for a quick and easy sale of your home? Your home is worth much more than they're telling you. Don't believe them when they tell you about the high cost of selling. This is your home, and you should be the one benefiting from your investment, not them. Don't take pennies on the dollar and watch your home resell days or weeks later for hundreds of thousands of dollars more. Want more money in your pocket? This is attorney Andrea Witt at Spano and DeWicki. We are the experts. Call 781-231-7800 or visit SpanoDeWicki.com. If you're just joining us, this is The Legal View, and we are from Spano and Dewicki. We've been discussing on today's show the Netflix documentary about Aaron Hernandez. Um, he left an estate behind, an underage daughter, and so we're kind of discussing now when it comes to estate planning with minor children involved. I think one of the biggest um, worries for parents is if they're not here, what's going to happen to their children? Who, who's going to take care of them? Um, I, I, I think we've said in the past, uh, it's usually the parents of a special needs child 
that plans immediately and, and wants to have everything in place. But, uh, you know, as a parent myself, obviously your biggest fear is that something's going to happen to you um, and, and nobody's going to be here to take care of your kids. So putting in your documents who you would name as the guardian and or the conservator for minor children is an important thing. Um, What's a conservator? I was going to say before we went on, you don't even have to be a parent because Andrea knows this after notarizing my estate planning document, <laughs> because since it took me so long to get them done in the first place, <laughs> I put provisions in there that if my husband and I put in there that if we should have minor children, <laughs> and Very this true. is coming from somebody who did, you know, you should do what you preach and be revisiting documents regularly. And I promise I will definitely try. But just in case, you know, I did plan for that, even though I don't even have kids yet. Good point. So anyway, Good point. back to conservatorship and guardianship. So yeah, so so a guardian is somebody that you would name to take care, to take physical custody and to take care of your children, help them with decisions about schooling or, or medical choices, that sort of thing. A conservator is somebody that would take care of the child's money and would manage the money for them. Um, of course, that's presuming that there isn't a trust involved because if there is a trust involved, if you had enough planning in place that you put a trust together for your kids, you would have named a trustee who would take care of the money in that case. So, you know, you can put in any of your estate planning documents who you want that person to be. And it, it could be the same person. It could be a different person. Um, I, I know my parents in their estate planning documents when we were, when we were kids, my mother had uh, her mom, my grandmother, she had put uh, my grandmother in charge of taking care of us. She was the guardian. But she had my aunt taking care of the money because my grandmother was not so great <laughs> with money. <laughs> my mom was not so sure that that was a good option. So, you know, you, you doesn't have to be the same person. It can be a different, a different person. So, you know, also, just we've had people come in, their children turn 18 years old, and their children, they're, they're not special needs. They have capacity. They're going off to college. We've had them come in, and their they had their children execute a health care proxy and a durable power of attorney. And they did it for the reason that once your child turns 18, they can make their own decisions. So now, you know, what is what will happen to them if if they are in an accident or if something does happen to them. So, you know, they come in, their children came in, and they, their children named who they wanted to. And most often, an 18-year-old will name their parents to, to make those decisions for them. And it is important that an 18-year-old does have something like that because sometimes you need those documents. And I, I do know we've done them in the past for parents, especially when their kids were going off to college. It gives, a, it gives you that feeling like, okay, I, you know, my kids are going off to college. They're going off on their own for the first time. And I have a little bit of control here. So, you know, it's, it's important in, in many ways to have these documents done. But you don't have to have special needs child just to have these done. Right. No, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely true there. That's, that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, so, so naming, you know, naming a guardian and conservator for your, for your child is, is one thing um, that absolutely people do in estate planning documents. Um, having money set aside in a trust is another option. You know, I, I think a, a trustee, um, hopefully you, you, you're going to choose somebody who, um, you, well, the trustee of your trust is in charge of the instructions that you've put together in that trust. I mean, a, a trust is really just a, a detailed uh, a detailed list of instructions of how you want your money um, to be distributed. Um, and, and like Francine said earlier, that trust only controls what 
it owns and what has been transferred into it. So your trust, if your house is not in that trust, whatever your trust says does not control what happens to the house. The house either goes to the joint owner or if there's no joint owner, we'll pass through probate. Right. And actually we have that quite often where, where people kind of have both have some probate assets and some trust assets. And sometimes that's done on purpose. Uh, often it's not done. Often it's done, uh, it ends up that way. It's a consequence of a mistake. You know, that can happen too. Um, but ha having assets set aside in a trust for a minor child, I think makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, it's a great planning tool. Um, there's, in this case, you know, Aaron Hernandez, Hernandez had a, a four-year-old daughter when he passed. Um, and, you know, in that case, he's, he's planning for, you know, another 14 years or whatever, if not even longer of her life. And he may be thinking about education and, and all those great things that happen, you know, as kids get older. Um, but what we do a lot with trust planning as well is in the case of, um, you know, a beneficiary who may have substance abuse problems, for example. You know, that's something you can certainly um, draft around in a trust. We definitely have parents who come and say, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that if my child inherits all this money at such a young age, um, something, you know, something bad can happen. And we draft provisions into trust all the time that say, okay, well, rather than getting, you know, $50,000 upon my death, what we're doing is um, distributing out a little bit every month. You know, we've had parents who've said, um, you know, I want the money to go towards my child's tuition, or I want the money to go for health insurance, or whatever it might be. That's, I think, what makes a, a trust such a great instrument, because you can really draft it to whatever um, is most important to you. Yeah, and going back to with the minors and drafting trust, because in Aaron Hernandez's situation here, since he didn't have a will, the probate assets go, well, the assets that were in his name without a joint owner or beneficiary, they go through probate. And under the law, once somebody turns 18, they're entitled to receive those funds outright. But if you have a trust, you know, frankly, I don't think that there's many 18 year olds out there that are going to be able to manage money or even 25 year olds or, you know, you can pick whatever age you want. I've had clients that have decided that at 35 years old yeah. that they didn't want their kids to get anything until then or 50 you've had 50, that 50 yeah that was wild but 50 that was the that was the age and they couldn't wait for that to happen and, and it did so you know <laughs> yeah and, and they did get a huge a lump sum of money at 50 but you know what I I bet you within three months it was gone yeah well it seems like there was a reason then that the yeah. parents yeah. set it up that way yeah <laughs> We were just talking about the minor children of Aaron Hernandez's estate, but we actually didn't touch base yet on the life insurance issue. And, you know, I think we could talk for a whole segment on life insurance and we can probably do that next week. I just found it really interesting. Andrea, you said what he had told his significant other before. Oh, right. In, in, in the suicide note that he had left, he had ended it. The last words of the suicide note to the fiance was, you're rich. Now, I'm not, we, again, all we can do is kind of, it's a hypothesis is that what he meant, you know, was he, was he talking about life insurance? Was he talking about money that would particularly, you know, potentially come from a, a civil suit? I mean, we have no idea really what he meant, but life insurance is what you were thinking, Christine? Yeah, I guess that was kind of my assumption from it because of the whole thing where if the if he had committed suicide, I think that's what they were saying in the news, because if he did commit suicide while in prison and there was a case pending against him, that right, it abatement. would 
yeah, the abatement yeah. issue. So life insurance is definitely a really interesting topic and we can focus a lot on that um, next week. So we're running out of time now, but you have been listening to the legal view. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you next week. In the meantime, if you have any questions or concerns or anything you want us to talk about on the show, you can call or text us at 781-231-7800, or you can email us at help at spanojewicki.com. This is attorney Christine Hurley. Attorney Andrea Witt. And attorney Francine Dewicki. During the show, various legal issues and matters were discussed. The discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide legal advice or recommendations for your specific situation. Contact Spano and DeWiki to schedule a conference to obtain legal advice for your specific situation.